Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 215, Turkey Soup, and an interview with NWTF Board of Director candidate. And I am your host, and the guy who is back fresh from one heck of a squirrel hunt. I'll tell you a little bit more about that here shortly, but today, right now, this very second, we are 93 days, 9 hours, 55 minutes, and 12 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama, just over three months away. So I told you guys that I had one heck of a squirrel hunt this past weekend on my guy's trip when Yankee buddy John came down from Virginia and my buddies Todd and Eric both have squirrel dogs. They have feists and we went out Friday morning at around 7 30, 8 o'clock and hunted until about 3 and just had a fantastic time. We ended up killing 21 squirrels just Friday and I've got to say that there were probably only about three or four squirrels that the dog treed that we couldn't find that had gone into a hole or something in the tree. So pretty much the vast majority of the squirrels treed were killed. And that's just so much fun. If you guys have never squirrel hunted behind a dog, then you really need to do that. It's such a treat to watch those dogs work and it's amazing to me how much they hate squirrels. I mean sheer hatred of squirrels. (laughs) Okay this week I have a little turkey soup for you guys where we're going to talk about some turkey news but before I get into that I want to play the one interview that I have this week for the NWTF Board of Directors candidates to introduce this particular candidate to you. I planned on bringing two interviews to you guys this week, but one of the candidates that I had in mind for interviewing and had contacted actually declined the interview because she had a very close friend who passed away and there's just a lot of craziness 
going on surrounding that sad event right now. So, Marsha Polhamus, our prayers go out to you, your friends, family, and hope things get back to normal for you guys sometime real soon. So, Marsha will not be joining us for an interview at all, but next week I hope to bring you guys the interviews with the fifth and sixth candidates who are running for the board so that we can get our ballots submitted before Christmas and New Year's. This week, I have Shane Alexander from Tennessee. If elected, this will be Shane's first term on the board of directors. And Shane is probably, I don't know this to be a fact, but probably the youngest candidate who is running currently. But that doesn't mean that he's short on experience or ideas. So here is Shane Alexander from Franklin, Tennessee, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today Shane Alexander, who is one of the candidates running for the NWTF Board of Directors this year, and as most of you know, our ballots have to be turned in pretty soon, within about the next three or four weeks, and so I wanted to get all the candidates on, and today I've got Shane, tricked him into coming on here with me, and chatting a little bit, and Shane, how are you and where are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm at home in my office here in Franklin, Tennessee. Good deal. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on with us today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting, because those little clips that we get to read in the Turkey Country magazine, they tell us a little bit, but they don't tell us a whole lot. So give us a little more detail about yourself and tell us how you got into the sport of turkey hunting. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. I'm 39 years old. I live right outside of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. I've been married to my wife, Angela, for 14 years now. Uh, We have two children. My daughter, Paula, is 11, and my son, Nathan, is 8. Very passionate about the conservation world. I'm a life member of just about every conservation organization I can think of, and very happy to, to do so. I tell people all the time that I'm not married to one conservation organization, but I am married to conservation, and However we can succeed, I'm all for that. I do believe that all conservation organizations are doing some great work, and for those reasons, I am very proud to support them. Mm-hmm. As, as a young kid, I grew up in West Virginia, where deer hunting and fishing were about the only outdoor recreation act- activities that I can remember. Turkeys were a rare sighting, and we did not have the opportunity to hunt them when I was a little kid. I moved to Nashville when I was 14. My father lived here. And that's where I got introduced into turkey hunting. I, di- I really didn't find much turkey success as far as hunting-wise until 2006 because my springs were so limited to growing up in high school and in college and being in professional baseball. I was gone during the springs, uh, so I didn't get too many opportunities to turkey hunt. But once I got out of professional baseball, I started to find some turkey success in the woods. And as my wife would say, that started an obsession with a fantastic animal that is something that I'll do for the rest of my life and want to pass on to everybody that I can touch. Yeah. So did you start out turkey hunting as a child with your with your dad or other family member? Yes, my dad and my uh, uncle were the ones that I really started turkey hunting with once okay. I when I got into it. Good deal. Well, I want to pick your brain about a well, turkey hunting story here in just a little bit but let's talk some business first so as i mentioned to everyone when we started this you're 
one of the candidates running for the NWTF Board of Directors. So tell us a little bit about why you are running for the board. Well, one of the reasons that I'm running for the board is I have a strong desire to work, do work on a national level that our local chapter obviously has been working on. I'd like to take it to a national level and help out however I can. One of the, one of the reasons why I'm running for the board of the NWTF is the NWTF is behind the R3 movement, the Recruit, Retain, and Reactivate movement and you're starting to see uh, this program gain more and more momentum a lot of the state wildlife agencies are starting to get behind it the state of tennessee really hasn't gotten behind this program yet and i hope by being a board member that i could have some influence to change that here in the state of tennessee Uh, the the states that have implemented this program have started to see a, a boost in hunting and outdoor recreation activities so that's one of the reasons I find the R3 movement is very important at the end, and the end of TF is in support of that program. Right. Another reason I'm running for the board is something I plan to work on as a board member is our volunteer recruitment at the chapter level. And as a chapter president currently, I, I feel that that is one of the most important things for the NWTF or any conservation organization is the chapter level volunteers. They're vital for our future success as hunters and outdoorsmen. It's kind of, it's one of the things we want to work on is providing our chapter volunteers with the tools to help them recruit new volunteers, uh, whether that's through print media, videos, or any other type of media. By providing these volunteers with the proper tools, it will help everyone spread the exact same message. Because you see, see a lot of discrepancies in some of the messages that are are spread within some organizations you know from county to county or town to town i get told all the time it's like well we didn't really know that this was going on or that this program was being implemented or the next county over they were doing that so that's one of the another reason and an important reason to me is is how can i help volunteer recruitment at chapter levels right so we, as members of the NWTF, we get the opportunity to vote for three of the six candidates who are currently running, and that obviously means we have three votes to throw out there, can't vote for everybody. Why should we cast one of our three votes for the board of directors for you? That's a good question, and I guess a question that at some at some points can can make you sound like you're bragging on yourself, but really, you know, I'm not any more special than any of the other candidates. They're all qualified volunteers and they do great things in their respective parts of the country. My wife and I donate a lot of time and resources and are very glad to do so. Folks always ask me, how did you get involved at, you know, at these levels at such a young age? And it's, it's very simple. My wife believes in it. And we both have a strong desire to want our kids to see the work that's being done in conservation. Well, you know, after we're long gone, we want them to continue that and pass that down on to our grandkids or, or any other people that they can touch. It's easy to volunteer your time and donate resources when it's something you strongly believe in. It's something that I've, 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 I'm very passionate about. You know, it's, it's very easy when you believe in it. And I believe in the mission of the NWTF and, and everything that we got moving forward. I'm young and not typically, you know, not typically someone that's getting involved at, 
at a national level at this age, and I hope that I will be able to help younger generations get involved and buy into our mission. I'm really talking about the folks that are in their 20s and 30s, and this is where the R3 program is vital. We're recruiting new new hunters at a younger age, but we're not really retaining them, and we're losing them during their middle stages of their life, and then they're coming back later on as they get established in their careers and in life. And I would like to change that and show the the middle generation that, you know, what we can do now is, is, is important for our future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you said is so true. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've run across that know that I like to hunt and fish. And they say something to me of along the lines of, well, I'm, I'm, getting back into deer hunting or I'm getting back into fishing or whatever it happens to be. And I say, well, why did you ever get out? Well, you know, I, I used to do that as a kid with my dad and just sports got in the way and school got in the way and this or that or whatever else got in the way. You know, we, we moved away from the family farm. We didn't have an opportunity to do it and whatever it happens to be. And then the next thing out of almost every single one of his mouths is, and now I've got kids and I want my kids to experience what all the outdoors has to offer and I want them to get involved in it. And so, yeah, I, I see that, what you just said all the time. You know, people get out in the middle stages of their lives, whether that's college or high school or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And at some point in time, they want to get back in it. And we all know because we're involved in it now that it's difficult if you don't have any connections you know it's for us in the south hunting clubs are very popular well if if you've not been in a hunting club for the past 10 years how do you know how to get into one how how do you know what is a good one to get into you know where's some public land if we can't afford to hunt private land or a hunting club so yeah i think that the the whole recruit retain effort is huge so good deal. Well, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very huge. I think it's going to be one of the things in the future that it's going to take all conservation organizations coming as one, you know, to, to really combat this, you know, loss of hunter numbers and loss of hunter percentage. It's really going to take a collaborative effort to, to, to get, to get out of that hole. But I think, I think that everybody's that are involved with it now, as far as the R3 movement are, are committed to it. And I, and I, think that's going to be very important for this, our success yeah. as a whole. But you are correct, but we, there's good things going on. I, I love seeing these college chapters. You're starting to see college chapters of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Right. And that's very positive. I mean, I think that's a fantastic thing. I think that's a focus that the organization needs to move towards, trying to get a chapter in every college. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's just touching – younger folks and, and piquing their interest and right yeah i agree with you well tell us the story now of your most recent successful turkey hunt whether that was a fall or spring hunt and one or two things that happened during that hunt or that you did during that hunt that to help make that hunt a success for you well the story of the most recent turkey hunt would go back to the spring back in may where i was with two friends of mine that are very involved with our local chapter, we were in Nebraska and we were turkey hunting one afternoon and all three of us was sitting in a blind trying to 
get on these turkeys and it's late in the season and it was a piece of property that had been hunted by an outfitter so the turkeys were pretty pressured and we were sitting in a blind and and had these turkeys come by and could never call them in but they ended up roosting 60 70 yards right from where we were at and we ended up having to set in the blind it didn't get dark till late out there so we ended up having to set in the blind to almost 10 o'clock before yeah. we could get out yeah and it was late and we ended up getting back in there not even five or six hours later two hours before it even thought about getting daylight trying to sneak in there and we ended up shooting three birds so that was wow. the most recent success um and unusual because i've never done anything you know set that late before we could move out and got in there that early so we didn't bust the turkeys off the roost right so that was that was a pretty that's that's one of the most memorable turkey hunts i've ever been on just because of all the outside things involved with it yeah yeah so what do you feel like it was that helped to make that hunt a success you think watching them fly up obviously was was a huge part of that i would imagine absolutely knowing where knowing where they were knowing where they were at was 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 key and just the patience with that and and uh, well and knowing that the turkeys were very pressured was was huge in that Uh, they really didn't pay any attention to us the night before or the evening before so those were things that added to the success were they responsive to you the next morning to your calling yes yes they were very responsive yes yeah um they were obviously used to doing their thing during the during the day going where they're flying down and then coming back to the same spot but they were you could you could tell that they were you, they had been hunted before quite a bit um, right but they were responsive right off the bat so that that was probably key to the whole success of the hunt was being there first thing yeah yeah very good those nebraska birds are a lot of fun they are very fun Mm-hmm. well fantastic shane man i appreciate your time this morning and you know i know you've had a kind of a hectic schedule here over the past week or so you and i've been trying to get together and just between your schedule and my schedule haven't been able to get it worked out but i'm glad we were finally able to get connected and get this done so that everybody could get to know you a little bit better and i appreciate your time and appreciate your wanting to jump in and and help us all out on a national level with the NWTF. So thank you for running for the board, and I wish you a lot of luck in the election. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was great to talk to you. Good talking to you, too. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. Goodbye. Okay, I hope you liked the interview with Shane. He's a really nice guy, and I'm sure he'd love to have one of your votes for the board of the NWTF. So keep him in mind. And again, I hope to bring you guys the final two interviews next week so that we can get our ballots submitted and express our desire for the direction of the NWTF. All right, next up for you guys is a little turkey soup. You know, I told you earlier that we're 93 days away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And we're getting close to the time of year where we need to keep an eye open for tag application deadlines, limited access hunt application deadlines, and other news that's related to upcoming spring turkey seasons. So I'll be keeping a closer eye on the turkey news for the next few months 
and trickling more of that out to you guys each week in order to not let anything slip by us. The last thing that we want to do is have a trip out of state planned and we miss the opportunity to put in for spring turkey tags because we didn't know when the deadline was. So those are the kind of things that I want to help you guys avoid over the next couple of months. But right now I want to tell you about our first ingredient in our bowl of turkey soup for the day. And that is Missouri. Missouri's fall firearm turkey season harvest numbers are in. And it ain't good. From October 1 through October 31, that's how long their fall firearm turkey season lasted, there were 2,169 turkeys that were harvested statewide. Now, this is about 700 lower than the number that they harvested last year, and the number is below their five-year average, I believe, as well. Now, an explanation for the low harvest numbers was offered by one of the state's biologists, and the state biologist attributed the decline in the harvest to lower turkey numbers. Dun, dun, dum. And a decline in fall firearm hunter participation. The biologist said that only 10,252 fall firearm permits were purchased because more hunters are choosing to participate in archery season, which runs from now until January the 15th, 2019. Contrast the number of fall firearm turkeys killed with the number of deer harvested during only the opening weekend of gun deer season. And you'll get an idea of maybe one of the reasons why fall firearm turkey season is not as popular. There were just south of 10,000 deer taken during the opening weekend of gun deer season in Missouri compared to 2,169 turkeys taken the entire month of fall firearm turkey season in Missouri. I think that tells me a little bit where people's priorities are. In the fall, hunters like to deer hunt. In the spring, hunters like to turkey hunt. In the fall, while a hunter is sitting in his tree stand waiting with his bow for a deer to come by and a turkey happens to come by, then that hunter, if he or she has bought an archery turkey permit, can harvest the turkey legally. So hunters are not making it a point to go out in the fall and hunt specifically for wild turkeys. They're going out and they're deer hunting with their bows, and if a turkey happens to come by, they'll harvest a turkey to have one for Thanksgiving. And after all, why wouldn't you? The season is open. It's legal to do it. There's no distinction in, okay, you've got to take off this hat because there's a turkey out in front of you and put this hat on to kill that turkey. So this is a trend, and it's not just a trend in Missouri. I think it's a trend nationwide, and I believe our numbers show that. All right, so ingredient number two is South Dakota. So the Game, Fish, and Parks Commission approved the spring turkey hunting seasons for 2019 and 2020 unanimously. The big changes are, and I mentioned this already, the banning of rifles from use during the season, which is great in my opinion for most people, and the extension of the season to May the 31st. The season used to end on the 
eighth day prior to Memorial Day. How confusing is that? So now it ends on May 31st, and there are plenty of opportunities for us hunters to harvest turkeys in South Dakota. Lots of birds and fun birds to hunt as well. Our third ingredient today is the state of Oregon. And this is kind of interesting to me. So on December 1st, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife opened a new licensing system that has a main focus on the popularity of smartphones. Licenses and tags can now be stored electronically on smartphone applications, which eliminates the need to carry paper documents. So last year when we went to Oregon, we had to travel an hour one way to get to the nearest town because we had to have a paper license on our person. That's pretty inconvenient. So now the process is going to be available online, on the smartphone app, or at a license agent. And the state's still going to sell those paper hunting and fishing licenses for people who don't have smartphones. But the consensus is that the majority of people are now going to be using their smartphones to store those licenses and permits on the phone. Now something that's worth noting if you're going to Oregon or you live in Oregon, is that even if you store your licenses and permits electronically, hunters with smartphones must bring along both something to write on and something to write with because after they harvest their animal, they're still going to be required to record their harvest data and attach that information to the animal. So basically, if you're going to Oregon to hunt, you're going to be making your own tag and attaching that to the animal instead of going and buying a tag. Next up, let's talk about West Virginia. So their spring turkey season has been set and for 2019 the season is going to run from April the 15th to May the 11th with a, and you probably want to sit down when you hear this, because if you don't I think it's going to knock your feet out from underneath you, but there is going to be a whopping one day spring youth season that will take place on April the 13th. Now seriously, can you call one day a season? Can you call that a youth season? Isn't it more like a youth day? Anyway, I think this is the year that I might venture back to West Virginia. I need to get that state marked off the list and since my big out-of-state trip this year is to Vermont and New York, and it is taking place towards the end of May, that might be a good time for me to venture to West Virginia after Alabama season ends and spend three or four days there hunting. Just talking out loud, I haven't made any plans. I haven't really done anything yet, except as I was looking at this news about West Virginia, it got the old wheel to cranking inside my head, so we'll see what happens. Since we're on the topic of West Virginia, fall turkey hunters in West Virginia harvested 1,215 birds during their fall season. That's an increase of about 28% from 2017, and that number is about 4% below the five-year average. The state turkey biologist is saying that even though there was an incredibly wet summer in West Virginia, that poult production was up from last year, which is awesome, as you all know, and that because poult production was up, that was a pretty good indication that fall harvest would be up as well. Since we're in West Virginia, let's go across the state line and talk about Ohio for a second. Ohio has also set their spring turkey season, and 
even though their fall season is over, Ohio is going to have a youth spring turkey season on April the 13th and April the 14th. And the regular spring turkey season for the South Zone in Ohio is going to run from April the 22nd through May the 19th. And in the Northeast Zone of the state, the season is going to run from April the 29th through May the 26th of 2019. Now let's talk a little bit about Massachusetts. Wildlife officials in Massachusetts are basically saying, please, 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 can we get rid of some of these turkeys that we have in the state? So there was a request made by the NWTF that Massachusetts review their wild turkey hunting regulations with the goal of evaluating potential changes to enhance turkey hunting opportunities. And here are the changes that the Fisheries and Wildlife Board are considering. For their youth day, notice that was not a youth season, their youth day. They want to expand hunting hours to 30 minutes before sunrise until 5 p.m. on that day that is designated for the youth turkey hunt. They also want to allow all permits that are issued to youths aged 12 through 14 to be utilized across the entire spring and fall season. Here's something that can be a big thing. For the spring season, they've recommended that the daily bag limit be increased to two turkeys per day. In the fall season, they want to expand the fall season, just the archery fall season, to overlap with their archery deer season. And they want to allow two spring tags and one fall tag, which basically would give hunters three total turkeys per year. If you think back to the episode where I had someone on from the great state of New York who talked about trying to balance hunter satisfaction with management of the animal that is being hunted. And the biologist for the state of New York said, you know, that's how they set their season. That's how they set their bag limits. That's how they set their harvest or number of permits that are going to be sold. And that is the juggling act that the state of Massachusetts is trying to figure out right now as well. It's something every state goes through when they propose changes to seasons or bag limits. So if the numbers are good in Massachusetts and everything that I am reading from any source that I can find says that the turkey population in Massachusetts is very healthy, then they should raise the bag limit and extend the season. Turkey hunters in Utah or who have Utah on the list of states to go to this year, it's time to apply for the spring 2019 limited entry turkey hunting permits. Those applications are going to be due very soon. They need to be submitted no later than 11 p.m., and I'm pretty sure that's mountain time on December the 27th. The limited entry hunt is going to be held in April, and there are 400 permits that will be issued for the northern part of the state, 250 for the central part of the state, 249 for the northeastern part of the state, 305 permits for the southeastern part of the state, and then, if you want a really good chance of killing a turkey, there are 1,550 permits that are going to be issued for the southern part of the state, which is where we went and just absolutely had a blast. And I'm telling you, there is no shortage of turkeys. So if you are considering Utah or you need 
to mark Utah off your list, there's some opportunity for you to be able to go and do that without much competition in the woods. Now let's talk a little bit about Illinois. So Illinois, their archery fall turkey season is still open currently, and it's going to remain open until January the 20th, 2019. You can still get permits over the counter, but you guys who are chasing turkeys this fall and winter in Illinois need to be sure to come out of the fall or winter turkey woods long enough to apply for a spring permit for the second lottery. That opportunity to apply ends on January the 11th, 2019. More news for Illinois turkey hunters is that they're also going to be able to enjoy about 15,000 acres of private land that has been leased by the state for public hunting under the state's IRAP, which is the Illinois Recreational Access Program. I think there are about 344 sites that are going to be open for segments three and four, or basically seasons three and four for Illinois, and those are going to be available on a first-come, first-served basis. And for all of you turkey hunters listening in the province of New Brunswick, Canada, you may in the very near future, be able to hunt wild turkeys in your province. So the new Minister of Energy and Resource Development for the province, Mike Holland, says that the wheels are in motion to develop a wild turkey wildlife management program. And he expects to have his department officials working on that topic within about a month. So he thinks that there's a good enough population that there are about a thousand turkeys in New Brunswick. And he thinks that that's a good enough population for them to be able to open up a season for turkeys. So for those of you guys who have your Canadian slam, well, if Mike Holland gets his way, your Canadian slam is no longer going to be valid because you're going to need a turkey in New Brunswick to complete that slam. Hey, I ran across this and I thought it was pretty interesting. So I told you guys that Mississippi has gone to a mandatory harvest reporting for wild turkeys. And what I think is interesting about this is that Mississippi has been considering this for a while, and the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Wild Turkey Program Coordinator, Adam Butler, says that they've been doing opinion surveys for quite a while, but that turkey hunters have wanted mandatory harvest reporting three to one that basically 75% of turkey hunters want mandatory harvest reporting. He said that they travel to states that use that type of system and they are not afraid of it. He is so correct. It's crazy. There is no reason why any state should not have mandatory harvest reporting. I've already gotten on this soapbox once and I'm not going to do it today, but there is no reason why every state should not require hunters of deer or turkeys to, I'm using air quotes, buy permits. They already know how many licenses they sell, but how many of those people who are buying those licenses are hunting turkeys? How many of them are hunting deer? How many of them are hunting small game? We don't know if those hunters are not required to buy permits for that specific animal. The permits can be free. The permits can cost a dollar whatever they want to cost. There needs to be a way to track how many people of the licenses that they sell are hunting each particular species of animal that they intend to manage. Period. I'm off my soapbox. Congrats to you guys in Mississippi. 
That's been long overdue. And by the way, you hunters in Mississippi and you hunters in Alabama, you're doing yourselves a disservice if you do not report your harvests so that our state biologists can record the information and monitor our population. All right, so I started to get fired up there again for a second, but there are a lot of hunters who do not report their harvests, even though it's mandatory now in Alabama. And I know that there's going to be a lot of hunters who are not going to report their harvest in Mississippi, even though it's mandatory now. All we're doing by not reporting is stealing from ourselves. Now I'm moving on. And since I am just next door in the state of Mississippi now, I'm going to bebop a little bit north and we're going to talk about Tennessee. So the 2019 spring turkey quota hunt application period is open. It opened on December the 12th and it's going to run through January the 16th for the state of Tennessee. The applications can be submitted online and they're going to be accepted until 11.59 p.m. Central Standard Time on January the 16th. Mailed applications will not be accepted, but you can also put in an application at any TWRA license agent or regional office. There are 13 areas that are available for spring turkey quota hunts and applicants can only use the same hunt code for a particular area one time. Hunters cannot apply more than one time and a computer drawing is going to be held to determine the successful applications based on the priority drawing system. There is a long list of the number of quota permits that are available and you guys who are interested in going to Tennessee which by the way just has some fantastic turkey hunting or you guys who live in Tennessee which by the way you're lucky to be in a state that has such fantastic turkey hunting right now <laughs> you guys can go online and see the hunt codes for the specific areas and the dates of those hunts and the number of quota permits that are going to be drawn and now since I'm so close to home in the great state of Tennessee I'm going to say that's a wrap for today I hope that you guys found the information in today's bowl of turkey soup to be useful and informative. I find this stuff is pretty interesting, even for the states that I've already killed in. It's just amazing to me how there's such a hodgepodge of regulations from state to state. And as we go into those other states to hunt, the burden is on us. We have to know the regulations for those states. Anyway, that's all that I've got for you guys today. But before I cut you loose, if you would, do me one big favor. And that favor is, if I have talked about a state today that you or one of your hunting buddies is going to this year or lives in currently, then tag a hunting buddy in the social media post on Facebook and on Twitter. That's a huge help for me, and I really appreciate it. With that said, I'm signing off with thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, 
strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.